Sunday school class? Do I like my Sunday school class? Absolutely. I feel like it's a perfect fit for who I am and where I'm at with God. I feel like I can really excel in this group. I tried other classes at church, but I don't know, they just weren't really for me. It's, it's hard to get out of bed and drive all the way down to church if you're not getting anything out of the class in the first place. We introduced a new series of messages for the month of October called Discipleship DNA. Because if we look at some of the characteristics or the traits of a true follower of Christ, not just a fan, but a follower of Jesus, uh, there are some characteristics, there are some traits, almost like uh, discipleship genes uh, that we could, that can identify uh, that distinguishes a true follower of Christ. Um, last week we looked at um, uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 10 verses 19 through 25. A great passage of scripture that uh, encourages us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And we were challenged as to why. Because number one, we need to be here to worship God. It's his day. We also need to be with each other and interact with each other so we can spur one another on to love and good deeds. And then we need to be together so we can encourage one another. And, And then we talked about the fact that this was all against the backdrop of the coming of that day. Uh, characterized by a capital D, and which is in reference to the coming of the Lord. Now, we don't know when he's going to come. We don't know when he's going to return. But when he does, we want to be found as a mature, faithful follower of Jesus Christ. Now, scripture for today is actually 2 Peter. 2 Peter uh, chapter uh, 3 and verses 14 through 18. I think it says 1 Peter in your bulletin was actually 2 Peter. And it's also against the backdrop of the coming of the Lord called that day that Peter writes these words and challenges the hearers and us today to move on to spiritual maturity. So that's what we talked about. A a disciple gathers together with others. Today it is that a disciple desires spiritual maturity. And listen to what uh, Peter has to say about that. He says, so then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, that's the day of the coming of the Lord, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. Therefore, dear friends, since you already know this, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Now Peter writes to them and says, as you know this day of the coming of the Lord is going to come, then what kind of people do you need to be? You need to be found as people who are desiring maturity, growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what does it mean and how do we as disciples, followers of Christ, really desire spiritual maturity? What's involved in that? Well, here's the first thing. A disciple makes spiritual maturity uh, a priority. A disciple makes spiritual maturity a priority. 
Evidently, for our guy that we saw in the video, spiritual maturity was not a priority. He pretty much liked where he was in the elementary level, and he wasn't ready to move on. But the Bible makes it very clear over and over and over in so many places in so many different ways that we as believers in Jesus Christ, when we come to know Jesus, we become like spiritual babes, and we are called to grow and to mature in our faith. See, growth and development are normal. But just simply growing old doesn't mean that we grow spiritually mature. We researched that this, this week, and as of about Wednesday of this week, the oldest person living in the world today is Emily Moreno from Italy, and she's 116 years, 311 days old. So that was Wednesday, so we got Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, add four more to that, 300 and, what, 15 days if she's still alive. The young oldest person living in America is Adelaide Dunlap from New Jersey. She's 113 years and 298 days old as of Wednesday. And then I think it was in yesterday's paper, uh, our local state paper, there was an article about a lady who had turned 100. Any of y'all see that article? She turned 100 this week and while she was evacuated. And where she was evacuated from one care facility down near the coast to another one uh, somewhere upstate, somewhere around in this area, uh, the staff there decided to have her 100th birthday party for her because she was away from family and the rest of her friends. Now, I thought, that's a neat idea. Here she was turning 100 years old in the midst of a hurricane and having to be evacuated, and the staff saw that, and they experienced uh, something with her. They shared with her her 100th birthday. Well, there are a lot of people who are elderly, but that doesn't mean as you grow older that you mature in the faith. To grow in maturity means you have to make it a priority in your life. And spiritual growth and development is just as important as physical growth and development is for all of us when we come into this world. So the Bible gives us many, many references and challenges about developing our spiritual life, growing to maturity. That's something that we have to make a commitment to. God just doesn't reach out and touch certain people and, and cause them to be mature believers in Christ. It comes through a burning relationship with Him where you earnestly desire spiritual maturity and you make it a priority in your life. 1 Corinthians 13, 11, the Apostle Paul writes and he says, When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. See, he talked about growing up. He also says in 1 Corinthians 14, 20, Brothers, stop thinking like children. In regard to evil, be infants, but in your thinking, be adults. In other words, he's saying grow up and think like an adult. In Hebrews 6, 1, the writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God. He's saying let's move on to maturity. Let's, let's go to leave the elementary things, pass those, leave them in our, our, our carta of faith, and then move on to things of greater maturity. And then 1 Peter 2, Peter writes and says, Therefore rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. He encourages us to grow up in our salvation. Now, those scriptures and many, many others call us to make spiritual maturity a priority in our life. And that's something that we have to do. And God wants us to do that because God is more concerned 
about our maturity than he is our comfort and our success. That God is far more concerned about our maturity than he is our success or our comfort in life. Now, let me, let me give a few warnings, though, about this thing about spiritual maturity, what it really is not. You have to watch out for these things. Because sometimes human nature is prideful. And when we start getting a lot of like, spiritual knowledge, sometimes it comes across in the wrong way. So spiritual maturity is not just knowledge and information. So you can gain a lot of spiritual knowledge. You can gain a lot of Bible knowledge, but it's not the same thing as maturity. Some people I know know a lot of things about the Bible, but they're not spiritually mature. You see, biblical knowledge is not just for the purpose of gaining biblical knowledge. It's not just for information purposes. But biblical knowledge is for the process of transformation. That we, we understand more about the Bible, we grow in our learning of the Bible, so that God is able to work through His Word, which is active and alive and sharper than a two-edged sword, so that He can continue to transform us into the people that He wants us to be. That's why we offer the things that we do, like Sunday morning Bible study, uh, small groups at other, other times, opportunity to gather together and to learn more about God. But it is not just about knowledge and information, it's about transformation. A second warning I would give you is that spiritual maturity is not about religion or rules. It's not about religion or rules. Hebrews 13.9 says, Your heart should be strengthened by God's grace, not by obeying the rules. Now, simply put, what the writer of Hebrews is trying to get the readers back then and us today is to emphasize grace above law. See, when you merely keep the law, you don't practice spiritual growth. But spiritual growth and maturity is all about developing a living, dynamic relationship that's personal and real with God. This God who created everything, who loved us, as we've already been reminded in Emily's song today so much, that we can have a personal relationship with this God. This awesome, magnificent, spectacular God wants a personal relationship with us. And that's what spiritual maturity is all about. It's growing in that relationship. And then spiritual maturity is not an immediate change. And I put that in there. I say that to you because sometimes people get frustrated. They say, okay, I, I want to develop some quiet time and, and I want to start doing some studying. And after about a week or two or three, they feel like they haven't made any progress and they think, either I'm doing it wrong or this is not going to work for me. Let me simply remind you, you are a product of your culture today. Everything is designed for us to get it as quickly as possible. Whether it's drive up at the bank, drive up at your your fast food, you can drive up to certain places and get your prescription. You know, you've got uh, all the technology that's right at your hand that puts the world at your fingertips. You come up with a question in a group setting and, uh, you know, all you got to do is just ask your phone. Well, what's the answer to so-and-so? And, and, you know, you've got it right there. We're a product of all of that. And it's a global trend that we got the world at our fingertips. We can get answers immediately. And sometimes that translates into our spiritual life. And we think that we can get the spiritual maturity instantly. And it doesn't come that way. So we're talking about changes being made in our heart and in our mind. And that is growth that takes time. It's a growth process that takes time. God wants us to grow and mature 
and develop. But we have to make sure that we're willing to accept that, to do our part, and willing to invest the time that's involved in becoming a fully devoted follower of Christ. That's spiritual maturity. And the second thing is, is we not only have to make it a priority, but a disciple follows the principle of spiritual maturity. See, Peter calls our position, I want you to notice that in verse 17, uh, our position in Christ is secure. Listen to what he says in verse 17. Uh, Therefore, dear friends, since you already know this, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position. Now, what's he talking about? What is our position? It means that we are saved and we're safe and Jesus Christ and we're kept by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that means that we have had an encounter with Jesus Christ where we have acknowledged our sins, we've confessed our sins, we found forgiveness for those sins, the past has been put behind us, we no longer have to be embarrassed by that, we no longer have to carry around the guilt and shame of those sins. That's our position in Christ. And he's saying, if you're spiritually mature, you're not going to fall to the false teaching that might cause you to fall from your place of position. And the first step in that process then is to know Christ as Savior, to accept what he did on the cross for your sins. That he died in your place so that you wouldn't have to die. And that when we're in him, we're forgiven. That's the foundational faith, the beginning of that dynamic relationship with God. And it's where we allow Christ not only to be Savior of our life, but Lord of our life. Romans 10, 9, part of that wonderful plan of salvation says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So you're confessing Jesus is Lord. And you allow him to be your Savior and the Lord of your life. And when that takes place, then you become greatly concerned about the glory of God. And it's spiritually mature believers in Christ who display the glory of God in our life. But you can't skip that foundational part. You've got to make sure that your life is on the foundation of Jesus Christ. It's just like when great skyscrapers like in New York City are built. And I marvel at how tall those things are. And the people who can work on those things and build them. It's just absolutely fascinating. A little bit breathtaking when you get to see some of that being done. But I read this week that some of the foundation pillars for those great big skyscrapers are in the ground for support and the foundation of that building, sometimes 25 stories deep in the ground. Isn't that absolutely amazing? That they got to go down 25 stories before they can go up 100 stories. Just another reminder that our life has to have a solid, firm foundation or it's going to be shaken. And that's what Peter is encouraging us to do, is that we have to build our life upon that firm foundation of salvation in Jesus Christ. And that's the beginning of living in that relationship with God where we can bring bring glory and honor to his name. I found in my life that the more I grow in the knowledge of Jesus, the more I am amazed at his grace. And the more I grow... Have you ever experienced that or stopped and thought about that? That the more you grow in your knowledge about this thing called the Christian life, then the more amazed I am at the grace of God. For all the sins of the past, for all the sins that still I deal with, 
You know, that God's love is deeper still. And it's all because of His grace. Instead of giving us the judgment and punishment that we deserved, He gives us grace. And in that we find forgiveness. We find wholeness. We find fulfillment. We find the love of a Father in heaven who is perfect. Now, at the same time, let me clarify some things about grace. Sometimes there are people who find out more and more about grace or say they live under the power of grace, and it's almost like it's a license to do anything they want to. I'm saved. I'm in God's grace. I can repent of my sin. I can do anything I want to do. And that's one way to look at it, but it's not the right way. And certainly not the best way to do that. So let me point out a few things about grace. Grace does not increase our self-confidence. Grace always reminds us that our confidence is found in our relationship with God. See, grace does not increase our self-esteem. See, grace always teaches us to esteem others more highly than we esteem ourselves. And that's the way Christ lived. And grace does not promote light views about sin. Now, we aren't flippant about sin, and we aren't casual about sin. We realize through grace the cost of the forgiveness of our sin through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And therefore, we do not abuse the grace of God. But when we experience that grace of God in this transformational process, then we find that grace is invariably moving us toward the goal which Christ has set before us, and that is to conform to the likeness of His Son, Jesus Christ. See, that's the object of our spiritual maturity, is to grow in grace and glorify God as our lives become more and more like Jesus Christ. St. Bernard of Clairvaux, who lived from 1091 to 1153 A.D., described it in a process like this. He talks about the four stages of growth in Christian maturity. He talks about there's love of self for self's sake. Then there's love of God for self's sake. Then there's love of God for God's sake. And then there's love of self for God's sake. And that's talking about our spiritual maturity and how through the eyes of grace we see what it is that God wants us to become and what He wants us to value. How do we know whether we're growing in that or not? Well, we just have to evaluate our life. We do evaluations in other different ways. I I, I hope that um, you have a physician who sees you on a regular basis for either six months checkups or a yearly physical just to monitor your health and make sure, you know, everything's okay in in your body. You, You need to do that. You probably do some things with your wealth management advisor and have a checkup periodically to make sure your investments are okay and uh, they're, they're fixed for an unstable economy and those kinds of things. Uh, if you're in school, you probably spend some time talking to a guidance counselor or academic advisor about the classes you're taking and what you should be taking and then when you have to take tests to get ready for college admission and all those kinds of things. And then probably... Um, the most dreaded thing of all, though, besides tests and homework, is performance evaluation at work. You know, nobody really looks forward to doing those things. I don't think anybody really likes to do evaluation, but they're significant. 
And so those are things you need to be asking ahead of time before it comes to that yearly evaluation or quarterly or however it's done. You need to stay in touch with the goals and priorities of what your job calls for and and keep asking, how am I doing in this area? Well, the same thing is true in our spiritual development. We need to set some guidelines, some markers, and we need to keep asking, how am I doing about achieving these things for the glory of God? Am I growing deeper in my faith? Is more of Jesus Christ showing through me than ever before? Is God more pleased with the way that I live and my attitude and my actions and my thought process than ever before? Am I really reflecting the glory of God? See, those are benchmarks that allow us to to measure our growth and to see if we're doing these things in, in the order and the way that glorifies God and that pleases Him and along the way brings us into spiritual maturity. The spiritual maturity has to be a priority. We have to be committed to the principle about, of that spiritual maturity. And the reason for it is, is because it enables us to see our life in the past and the life in the future. See, in the past we see God's grace and where He forgave us and, and where He saved us and where He brought us into that relationship with Him. But then when we look into the future, we look to see what we can become. We look to see what God wants us to become as we study the Scriptures. We, we find what it is to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. And all of those are things that God wants us to make a priority in our life as we commit ourselves to the principle of growth. Now, there's something you really also need to understand about that. And that is you make a commitment to spiritual growth, you're going to go through some stages that are kind of painful. And you're also going to be vulnerable at a period of time in that. I read this week about lobsters. I never thought about this before. Uh, I guess I just always assumed that they grew uh, in the shell and the shell grew with them. But from time to time, they have to shed their shell. And we got some pictures of it up there. Uh, uh, but so they can grow another hard uh, in case shell so that they're safe and protected. But what happens to them when they have to get out of that shell waiting for the other shell to grow? Well, they're very vulnerable. You know, they're, they're there on the, probably the bottom of the ocean or the, or the cove or wherever they are. And they're just open for any kind of fish that comes along and wants some lobster tail that day. You know, it's just, it, they're, they're vulnerable. They're open. And it's a while before they can get back into the safety of the shell. The same thing is going to happen in your own life. See, the tricky part for the lobster is that period between, between when the old shell is discarded and the new one is formed. For us, it's when we begin to constantly uh, drop off and shed that old lifestyle and start moving into that new lifestyle of spiritual maturity. And so we have to be committed to the principle and the process of it. And discipleship really means being so committed to Christ that when He calls us to follow, we will change. We will take the risk that's involved. We will grow. We'll leave our comfort zone called the shells behind us. And we will move on from the elementary things to more mature things. To bring more glory to God. And then here's the third thing I think that's involved in being spiritually mature, and it's this. A spiritually mature disciple is the product of spiritual growth. You look at verse 14. Peter uses uh, three words to describe mature believers. He says, we are spotless, we're blameless, and we're at peace with him. So does that describe your life right now? You're spotless, you're blameless, and you're at peace with Him. 
I think that being at peace with God comes with more spiritual maturity added every week. And then again in verse 17 when he talks about our secure position, he talks about that we will not be carried away by the error of lawless men. In other words, we'll be stable, we'll be secure. If you watch the wind coming whipping around your house Friday and Saturday, you probably notice that uh, if you didn't have things to fly away, you, you notice how the trees were, were doing like this with the wind. Whichever way the wind was blowing, that's the way the trees were going. Sometimes they were going around and around like this. Some trees got uprooted in some places. That's because they, they were, the ground around them had become wet and saturated from previous rains and through the rain that fell Friday and all day Saturday. And then when the winds picked up, it was easy for it to get uprooted. And the same principle applies in our life. We, we can be tossed and blown and be unstable in, in our life, inconsistent, fair-weather Christians, undependable. But if we're spiritually mature in our life, we're going to be aware of danger, falsehoods, half-truths, and all those things that want to attack us in our life. We want to be effective. We want to be productive. We want to be mature, all for the glory of God. And so we have to be committed to that process so that we become strong in our faith. And we become capable of making discerning decisions. And that we're effective and productive for the glory of God. So that's that process of spiritual growth that brings us to what we truly desire. And that is spiritual maturity. You know, there's a, there really is a, a, a Peter Pan syndrome it's got another name. I hope I can pronounce it correctly. But there are some people who just absolutely have a fear of, of growing up. Uh, there's a little bit of that, I think, in, in all of us. Somebody asked me one time, said, you had four children. So how did you, uh, how did you handle that? I said, well, you know what? I got, to, I got to go through my second childhood with my children. And, you know, I spent time with them. We, you know, things I didn't get to do as a child, I enjoyed doing them with my children when they were children. And now we've got grandchildren. I'm going through another stage of, of a childlike behavior. It's just it's fantastic you can do that. But the Peter Pan syndrome is one where people literally have this phobia against growing up. And the bottom line of it is, is because they don't want to grow up and accept responsibility. Okay? That's the whole bottom line. Is they don't want to grow up and accept responsibility. You know a lot of people that need to grow up. There are a lot of people spiritually who need to grow up and accept responsibility. All right, here, here is the, 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 the scientific name. It's Jurassicophobia. Jurassicophobia. doesn't have anything to do with Jurassic Park, or it sounds like that. But just simply the fear of growing up. The fear of growing up. And uh, in an article in uh, Case Reports in Psychiatry, two psychiatrists talked about a 14-year-old boy who tried hard not to grow up. They said he didn't eat much because he knew that uh, food contained nutrients for physical development. His posture, he developed a stoop position to hide his height, and he began to distort his voice. And then he also, if people would tell him he looked older and taller, he would, ex he would be become extremely upset and would cry. And at 14 years of age, he was in the 25th percentile for height and weight. And the bottom line of it was he just didn't want to grow up. And they won't accept the responsibility of maturity. You know, I've had people to say, I don't want to know what my spiritual gifts are because then I have to use them and I don't want to do that. 
And I, and I think in reality, there are people who say, I really don't want to grow to spiritual maturity because if I grow to maturity, I'm going to be called on to do something, to serve, to lead, to guide, to teach, and all that. And I really don't want to do that. That's a terrible attitude to have if you're a child of God. Because ultimately, God's desire for us is once we come to experience Jesus Christ in salvation, then His ultimate goal for us is He wants us to become more and more and more like Jesus. And Jesus was many things, above all Savior and Lord. But He also was a leader, and He also was a servant, and He also was a teacher, and He also was a giver. And when we come to know spiritual maturity in our life, then those things are expected of us. And we have to grow up to accept those responsibilities. So we're called to be not just fans, but fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. God wants us to experience His grace through salvation. Then He wants us to know the grace day by day, week by week, month to month, year to year, that allows us to grow up into the image of Jesus Christ and bring glory and honor to Him. So, if you're a believer in Christ today, you're supposed to be seeking after spiritual maturity. If you're not a believer, you haven't put your life on that solid foundation, then you need to accept Christ as your Savior today and build your life on that foundation and begin that journey of faith towards spiritual maturity. Pray with me. Father, we thank You for uh, Your grace that allows us to come to experience salvation through Jesus Christ. We give You praise and glory and honor for that. We also thank you for the opportunity that you give to us to be a part of a body of faith, a fellowship of believers, and especially the opportunity here at Spring Valley. And I pray today, Father, if there are those who need to make decisions to be a part of this church, that they will come today professing Christ as Savior, transfer of letter, promise of statement, all these things. But most importantly, will come with the desire to grow and mature as you call us to do through Jesus Christ. So, Father, I pray as we sing this song that your spirit will move. Uh, and touch hearts and lives as decisions will be made for your glory. In Jesus' name.